0: This is Show Your Business Who's Boss. Listen in on behind the scenes, unfiltered conversations with my favorite business owner friends who take charge and make their businesses work for them. Don't just be your own boss. Show your business who's boss. I'm Pia Silva. Today, I'm continuing a short series of revisiting clips from old episodes that really stood out to me. And today, I'm bringing back my dear friend, Jean Tang, owner of Marketsmiths, a copy and content writing company with, I want to say, 20 people on staff now. She's got a whole gaggle of people up there. And actually, her office is right above mine. She's probably up there right now. I've known Jean since almost the beginning of both of our businesses. Back when she was just a one-person shop, she actually wrote, like, the first or second iteration of our website copy. And I think we even bartered with her, and Steve drew the cartoon images for her TEDx talk. So if you want to go watch her TEDx talk, you can see Wordy, the cartoon word That is literally the word word um, that brought a little humor to her slides and know that it was drawn by Steve in our little Brooklyn apartment when we were first starting out. But anyway, I want to revisit this clip because it's just filled with lots of golden nuggets for you guys, especially because you can actually listen to this with two different ears. First, we're talking about creating content and copy for your brand. So you can obviously apply that to your own business and how you think about your website copy and your marketing content and all that jazz. And then we're also talking about the act of creating copy and content for a client, which is more about the management and the presentation and the psychology of delivering creative work to clients, which you can also apply to your business just in a different way. I think it'll be really helpful to hear some of this and how it applies to whenever you are presenting work or interacting with a client and showing them, you know, what the next steps are for working with you. One thing that's really interesting that Jean brings up in this conversation is that even though writing copy is... A bit of an art, right? Writing is one of the arts and it requires creativity. It's actually much more of a science when it comes to writing the copy for your website, let's say, because it has to do a lot of the heavy lifting. It has to hit a lot of specific points so that it can take a client through the customer journey and turn them from viewers to leads that contact you and eventually close. And one of the things that she said that I can really relate to is that you want to have data to show the client, that it's much easier to get a client on board with copy when you have some data to point to. So they do this in a different way than I do because they are working with bigger corporate clients. So they will do outside research. They'll look at other companies. They'll do audits of the clients that they have, or maybe they'll just talk to a lot of personnel in the company and they'll use all of the information that they find as data points so that when they are writing the copy, they can point to why they're writing it the way that they are. Because I work with small service businesses and usually I'm working directly with the owner and usually the copy that I'm writing is based on what the owner is telling me. The data is different, but it's still data. It's still information. And this is something that I wanted to elaborate on a little bit before you listen to the clip. Whenever you're delivering creative work, creative work is subjective, right? Like I think that it's easy to forget that there isn't an objectively best homepage line. There isn't an objectively best logo or design, I think creatives get a little lost in the idea that there could be something better out there or that they should keep working on something or that what if the client doesn't like this and they want it to go a different way and you forget that this work is subjective. So in the end, you are giving clients one of many potential pieces of work. You know, when I'm writing copy for a client, when I'm pitching them the homepage copy or the main lines, their tagline, I could write. 10 that are all great. And I could argue for different ones for different reasons. And a client may or may not like them. But what you have to remember as the person running the show is that it is subjective. And if you can remember that and use that in the way that you pitch it, you can actually help the client get to the answer faster. Because the worst thing to have a client do is be in an uncomfortable uncertain position where they are scared to make a decision because they feel like what if there's a better answer out there? What if this isn't the best it could be? What if there's a better logo that they didn't try yet? And the point is it's subjective anyway. (laughs) So get off of that line of thinking and start thinking about the data. Start connecting it back to the core goals For me, the data is the goals of the client. So if a client tells me that their goal is to be seen as a premium service, is to be seen as friendly, as to be seen as trustworthy, the best thing I can do is connect everything that I'm showing them, designs, copy, main messaging, whatever it is, connect it all back to how it is fulfilling on those goals. So it's not, do you like this line? (laughs) It's this line Presents you as premium, approachable, and trustworthy because of these reasons, and that's how I connect work to the data. And as you'll see, Jean also does a version of this for her clients. And anybody who does this knows that that is really the key to getting creative work approved. It's the key to getting a client on board with what you're working on, and. I think even more importantly, it's the key to getting a client on board with enthusiasm and confidence, because as much as you are being hired to do whatever the work is that you're doing, you're actually being hired, especially if you're a premium priced service, which is what I am and what people that I coach and consult with are. If you're being hired as a premium service, you're not just being hired to do the work. You're being hired to bring the confidence. People will pay more so that you can confidently lead them to the answer and that they can relax knowing that they can't go wrong. And that's a big part of what people who are able to charge more money are able to do. It's about you having confidence in your own work and being able to convey that confidence to your clients so that they can relax and not worry that they're going to make the wrong decision. That's actually the responsibility that I take on by being paid so much. And I basically tell my clients that you're paying me so that I can make sure that you make the right decision instead of you feeling like you have to figure out what the right decision is. Because guess what? You're in my wheelhouse now. You aren't Schooled on branding, design, copywriting, marketing, all of these things. So if if the responsibility is on you to make the right decision about what your line should be or what your logo should look like, well, that's a lot of responsibility for someone who doesn't really know about this stuff. And what happens when a client is making a decision about something that they don't know a lot about? They fall back on what they know, which is their personal opinion. And is someone's uninformed? personal opinion the best way to make a decision about something that they don't know a lot about? Of course not. Is that the best way to get the logo or the main marketing message that's going to get them the clients that they want or close the clients when they don't really know what kind of messaging closes the clients? Of course not. But they don't necessarily know that. And so they pay higher prices to people that they trust who will make sure that they make the right decisions. And that's really, I think you could sum up what selling premium priced services is. It's just as much this emotional insurance. In fact, before I even realized this for my own business, I remember thinking this or realizing this for the big companies. So when you think of, I remember whenever it was years ago when Verizon rebranded and they rebranded their logo to be that little check mark, and I don't remember exactly what it was before. It was like a big check mark and then it became a little check mark in the corner. Okay. And they paid a, I think they paid a million dollars for that. Um, you know, wah, wah wasn't that exciting. It <laughs> wasn't that exciting before. It was less exciting after. Uh, who cares? I don't care what Verizon's logo is. A lot of people were up in arms. Whenever big companies rebrand, everybody's got an opinion. Uh, but that said, it's like, why was that a million dollars? Like what <laughs> what? was worth a million dollars in that. And I remember Steve saying, you know, a lot of that money is just going to the fact that nobody wants to be responsible for the wrong decision. So they pay a lot of money for a company to do a lot of research and and create a lot of data so that when the decision is made, there's a lot of reasoning for it. Because if they don't do all of that work and they come out with it and it doesn't work... It's just going to be like Bob's personal opinion was wrong. You just can't make those kinds of huge decisions that um, can move an entire company this way or that way on personal opinion. So instead, these companies do lots of market research to test and test. And you know what? They still don't get it right all the time. There's still plenty of huge companies that put uh, rebrands out there that just fail miserably. So even at the highest levels with the most research done, you still can't guarantee that something is going to work. Now, on the flip side, but that's why they're paying that big that big money because they don't want to be responsible for making those decisions. They're not well schooled in what that what those decisions should be should look like or should be based on. So instead, they pay the experts to do it for them so that they can trust the process and trust the outcome and Trust the people that are more well-versed in this. And if on a micro level, that's what people are hiring you for too. They're hiring you because they want someone else to be responsible for this decision. Doesn't mean they don't want to have a say. Doesn't mean they don't want to love it. But they want to feel confident about it. And they need to feel confident about it. Because if you're going to give your clients information that is going to greatly affect what they do in their business moving forward, they need to feel really good about those decisions if they're going to put all of their time, energy, investment into moving in that direction. Because there is nothing worse than making a decision in your business and then limping in with it. Anyway, here's the clip with Jean Tang. I hope you love it. So I, here's something I wanted to ask um, because I noticed this as a challenge for a lot of copywriters or copywriting companies and I remember us having this struggle when we worked with you because when we came to you we were so new I mean it was the very very beginning and we were like hey can you write our homepage copy and then it was we we basically were saying to you was like can you make our brand right (laughs) right and that's essentially what you you did like the first iteration of the voice of our brand but I didn't really realize that at the time and I'm curious I, I could see how, again, when I think of you for large companies, they have a brand, right? So your job, your, your company's job is to understand that brand and then write in right. the voice of that brand. But when they're smaller, how do, how do you deal with that? W- what do you do if their brand is all over the place or they don't really know what it is? Or, or how do you, what's your onboarding process? Or can you just speak a little bit to that? Because I think that that's a real challenge as business owners too, when they hire copywriters, the copywriter is sometimes
1: branding them and they don't even realize it. It's such a good question. And I'm glad you asked because, and you know this from writing copy for clients as well. So much of the job is about, yes, finding the brand and finding the tone, but also about figuring out how this client is positioned in their industry and in their market. Not just like, is this a premium service? Is this like a more basic service, more commoditized? It's it's everything around, okay, if you're premium, then you know, maybe you're appealing to this segment of this market in this way because you have this approach. And it's all that learning, all of those like insights around the thing that they do to really carefully position it. And then to figure out how to message that so that our job at the end of the day is just to massage the audience into being eager to hear the message that your company ideally wants to get out there right? So it's that's that's the job is like there's message. yeah, but you can't just hit them over the head with the message. you have to position the audience to hear the message and to read it and to receive it the way you want them to receive it. How do you do that? How do you connect with them? So I will say that we've gotten it down to a bit of a science because we've done this so many times and because we did start out and cut our teeth on small businesses like you were back mm-hmm. then you are. And, and it's, it's helpful to have all that behind you because then you can test for certain assumptions and you can figure out like, you can ask all those questions to figure out exactly how they're positioned. So you can do the job the way that you you should. And also because we mostly work with some consumer brands, but we work a lot with B2B companies. So then there's no real mysteries. Like we've kind of encountered a lot of different industries. We're industry agnostic, but we've done enough finance, healthcare, technology, education, like government work, hospitality and consumer products. Like all those are major areas for us. So we're like, oh, we know what questions to ask to kind of like derive the right insights so that we can kind of dive in. And you're right that when a company is larger, they generally do have branding guidelines and tonal guidelines, and they understand how they're positioned. And they tell us versus us telling them or us discovering it for them. So mm-hmm. that is helpful. But this is actually one of the reasons that we keep that one tiny toe in the small business mix. I know I keep bringing it up, but it's like exciting to me because it's fun. It's a different feeling you get from those clients where they're like, really need you. And then we can ask questions, discover it, because we've been through that process like uh, a few hundred times before in 10 years. And yeah, and I guess the only time you may encounter this yourself, but the only time it's ever a struggle is I think when somebody doesn't really know Or they haven't decided yet what makes them different. (laughs) And even then we could still probably figure it out and ask the right questions and all that stuff. But sometimes there's, and they're just not, they don't, they don't know and they can't decide and they're very indecisive and they're just like, I don't, none of this is speaking to me. I'll know it when I see it. Right. Right. Which so, are very hard people to write
0: for because you don't really have a a framework or a goal. Yeah, you don't have the objective of the brand.
1: Yes, yes, so, yes. 100%.
0: So, if I'm hearing you right, you obviously I. I I would expect nothing less that if you're especially when working with small businesses, you are asking them the questions to figure out what to understand what their positioning is and possibly even answering that question a little more clearly for them than they might know. Like they may not have been able to come to you and say, "Okay, here's my brand and here's my positioning and here's my this is these are the different goals and all of that. But when you ask them the questions, they have the answers. That's a kind of client where you can take it, take it out of them, drag it out of them and then do your work. But when a client is not even able to answer those questions because they're not far enough along or they've just like don't want to be pigeonholed, which is really branded, then then I mean, is is it even possible to write really great copy for someone who doesn't want to make those decisions or, or won't allow themselves to be focused in a brand positioning?
1: Well, I often feel that when a when a company is a little more established, when they've mm-hmm. been around, say, for 25 years, and I have an example um, that I won't um, share who they are, but we yeah, please uh, examples project. are always welcome. Yes, so we had a recent situation where um, writing for a New York-based venture capital firm. That has been around for twenty five to thirty years. When we first did our initial kickoff call and exploratory, which we call a content strategy session, it was a little bit general and and whether it's because the first time it's the first time they've had a website, which is kind of crazy. Right. And maybe because they weren't used to like talking about themselves in a certain way. They hadn't prepared the examples that we typically ask for. It was all just very high level and mm-hmm. you can't really write copy from high level. Like you ask for examples, the examples give us the insights that we need to, to make their, what they do come alive for us that we can really get a clear sense, a living sense of what they do, and then do all the work that we do to position them, write about them, identify their message and all of that stuff. So in the first um, exploratory, it didn't happen. So we needed to have another one in which they got all the great details and we unlocked them. They talked about them freely and then we were able to write copy that really, really, then they were like, this is, this is fabulous. This is exactly what we needed. So yeah. So I often do feel like it's like we're not asking the right questions or maybe we don't, Um, maybe we need to do a competitive audit. Step back a second, look at what everyone else is doing in the market. But I, I'm pretty confident like those methods are the ones that work because that allows us to point to data, right? Because anyone can say it's always subjective. Like the art, the act of writing copy is subjective. Like if you like it, if you don't like it, it speaks to you. It doesn't speak to you. Obviously, results aren't objective. They're measurable. But if we're still in the process of creating it, then and most of our clients are like, yes, that's exactly our tone. That's exactly how we should be positioned. That's right. you got the message. Everything is great. But there are a thousand different ways to do it. So Mm -hmm. it's best if we can point to data. This is the reason we wrote these words. Mm -hmm. This is the reason we opened the page this way and developed the page this way is because you demonstrated that your targets and the, the biggest audience is, you know, this, and this is how you make sure they're qualified to buy from you. And so we're these words point people in these directions. So it is in that sense, more of a science than an art. I want to highlight something that you're saying, because
0: it is so uh, valuable, I think, in any presentation of any creative work, whether you are explaining the whole thing or not, is that there is a reason for everything. And even if you're not explaining every little detail, I, I know that you guys are presenting it so that they understand why it's been written the way that it has been. And that is how you get clients to go, oh, yeah, I see that. I love it. I mean, that's we do the same thing with design and with copy. And it's funny, even as you're saying this, I don't think about it ahead of time. But whenever I'm showing clients copy for the first time, I will, if they're asking any questions, I'm like, oh, I'll tell you exactly what every sentence is doing. Of course, every sentence has a purpose. That's why I wrote it. (laughs) I can tell you based on every answer you gave me, because none of this is fluff. This sentence is giving you voice. This sentence is talking about that. We want to position you as this, X, Y, Z. But the power, I mean, I'm just so glad you're saying that because the power of showing and, and, and giving the reasoning and thinking behind it is so important. And a lot of people just go, do you like this? Oh, you don't? Let me rewrite it. And that's how they get stuck in the horrible cycle of just feedback and revisions over and over
1: again. Right, 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 right. There's still this perception out there, and I have seen it among big companies, mid-sized companies, small companies, doesn't seem to matter. I do think more experienced companies tend to be a little more savvy about this, but the, the perception is that a writer's job is to make the copy really articulate and really pretty. And it's not like it's Mm. absolutely strategic. It's absolutely branding based. Well, the other thing you just highlighted is that you are, for this company, you're creating their brand. I mean, it's,
0: this is, at this point, I feel like this is so obvious, but I'll say it right now, just in case it's not obvious to somebody listening. Your brand is not your logo and your colors. Uh, That is part of your visual brand. Your brand is everything, including your voice and your copy. And your copy is so critical to your brand. So if you're coming in for a client, and figuring this out for this venture capitalist firm and writing all their copy, you're creating their brand. I mean, yeah, in large part point. anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we're talking about it in a copywriting context, but mm-hmm. let me like, shift it a little bit to a content context. So- yeah. I think with copy, it's, it's interesting to talk about because it's a little bit less known that there's strategy involved. And I think everyone will acknowledge how important their website copy is, but in different ways. Like some people are just like, well, we need it for verification purposes, but look, this can get you leads. This can drive the leads home. You're spending all your you know time and focus on like content marketing. Well, where is it going to point people to at the end? If it points into the website at all, then your website is the sales engine that drives them home. Um, the leads that is so, but from a content perspective, I think it's a little bit more understood and a little bit less like, mysterious of a process, but it's sort of like, okay, we're writing an ebook. Like we wrote one about the future of autonomy. And there are so many different approaches you can take to an ebook of that import and of that scale. Mm. And so sometimes it is just like, what's the most efficient way to engage the audience and get them involved in this material. And, And it has a lot to do with the brand too, and how the brand expresses itself. The content strategy is just continuing the brand. Yes, it is and continuing. Absolutely, extending the brand. Extending um, the brand,
0: better word. Yeah.
1: yeah. Do you think it's different or the same for small businesses? The the difference can be with small businesses. They may need more handholding in terms of how to brand themselves and where they're positioned. They also will sometimes need some handholding in terms of like what are their topics and. What are they experts on? What does thought leadership mean in their context? and And really, sometimes this stuff is really just obvious to us because right. we're like, wow, you know a lot of things that that a lot of people don't and want to know, mm. and they don't necessarily know to get it out there because they think it's obvious and they think there's nothing really that they offer, but they do. They offer a lot. So sometimes we'll need to sort of step back and discover those things with these clients. Right,
0: right, right. Do you do content marketing for small businesses? I would imagine that's a little out of reach price-wise. Yeah,
1: Yeah, pretty minimal. We just took on a startup that's actually based in Italy that that I can't say who it is, but they do cybersecurity and they just needed like a blog once a month. And so we're like, we can blog for you. (laughs) it's, It's definitely a lot smaller than a more typical project, which might involve writing about 10 to 20 blog posts slash eBooks slash email campaigns a month. Right.
0: Just like do all that content marketing that people do not want to do.
1: And the difference for us is like, here's one writer and one content strategist for the smaller project. And for the larger project, we're going to kick off five writers, two content strategists, and then go to town. (laughs) Wow.
0: There's so many writers out there and there's not, I mean, I'm not aware of that many Agencies that can handle copy and focus specifically on copy at this level. Well, that's great. You must know them. (laughs) (laughs) You must know others that are available. But yeah, I mean, you're the only person I know. And I love it. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that clip from episode 10 with Gene Tang. You can find the full episode. Just scroll back to episode 10. Next week, I'm going to be revisiting an episode with... My dear friend and speaking coach, Brett Lavender, he dropped tons of goodies in our episode and let's go talk about a few of them next week. So tune in for that. And in the meantime, if you know other entrepreneurs who could benefit from hanging out with us, please share this podcast with them. And of course, click subscribe on your favorite podcast player so that you don't miss an episode of Show Your Business Who's Boss. Show Your Business Whose Boss is produced by Yellow House Media. Production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode is edited by Marty Seafeld. Production assistance by Kristen Runvik. Our theme music is Glass Prisms by Western Runners.